Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Today, it's known for the University of Alabama's high-achieving football program, but it was once a battlefield for civil rights in this country. This is the final episode of UF FAMU 1963, a series remembering major events of the civil rights movement through the eyes of students at two Florida universities. Inside the sanctuary, plush red carpet swept across the floor like a sea. Large stained glass windows muted the sunny day, and a soft glow filled the pulpit, where a then-teenage foot soldier talked to us about what transpired nearly 60 years ago. I'm Danny Steele. I was born and raised here in Tuscaloosa, and I was here on Bloody Tuesday. Steele remembers Bloody Tuesday the day in June 1964 in which black residents in Tuscaloosa sought to march in protest against segregated drinking fountains and restrooms in the county courthouse. Not long after marchers left First African Baptist Church, police met them with violence and angry white citizens looked on. 33 people were hospitalized and 94 arrested. In the moments after, it was chaos. They had billy clubs and tear gas. The stories from inside and outside the church that day are completely different. And if you listen to a person tell the story who's on the outside, and my story is on the inside, it's like two different stories because we didn't know what was happening on the outside. They didn't know what was happening on the inside. First African Baptist was the center of movement meetings in Tuscaloosa. Steele's father owned the funeral home beside First African Baptist, which he now owns. His brother Charles was roped into activism too, and is the current president of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, a title that Martin Luther King Jr. once held. The Steele brothers were raised on land owned by the University of Alabama, across from the school's baseball field. Danny Steele recalls that stray batted balls would often fly into their yard on game days. I could sit on my front porch and look at the baseball game, but I couldn't go to the game because I was black. Back then, they called us colored, and they used the N-word. He also remembers what they could and couldn't do at the University of Alabama. Some of our parents and grandparents actually worked at the university. They worked at, as uh, maids and Uh, lawn care workers and things of this nature and cooks. But uh, all of this could take place. They could go and cook and cut the grass, but black people couldn't go to school there. Sit-ins occurred in segregated stores like Woolworths, which wouldn't serve black Americans. We were allowed to go in those stores and buy merchandise, but we could not eat at the lunch counter. We would go up and they would come up and say, Sorry, uh, we don't serve niggas. And we made fun of it. We said, well, we're glad you don't serve niggas because we don't eat them. The 14-year-old Steele consistently attended mass meetings at First African Baptist. Where every Monday night, we, in this church right here, we had what is called mass, M-A-S-S, mass meeting. And this is where we would come every Monday night, 6 o'clock, 
to get our instructions as to how we're going to protest, how we're going to march, how we're going to demonstrate against uh, the, the uh, racism here in Tuscaloosa. Ministers led the meetings because they didn't have day jobs to be fired from. The Reverend T.Y. Rogers, the same man that led Olivia White's children's choir, began organizing the meetings soon after becoming pastor in March 1964. We had signs made out of a poster board, we're right, I'm a man, I want equal rights, all of this. They needed permits from the chief of police to protest. Their request for one on June 9, 1964, was denied. That led to Bloody Tuesday. So when the leaders of the church, the ministers and all of them, when they got to the steps, the police immediately arrested them, put them in the paddy wagon. Now keep in mind the church was surrounded with deputized policemen. All of them were not policemen. The tear gas came in and it, it, it uh, confused you. Uh, your nose were running, your eyes running, you couldn't hardly breathe, you're disoriented. And if you tried to get out of the windows or one of the doors, they would beat you and then put you back into the building. Steele remembers songs sung at mass meetings, the same songs that motivated them to march. There was one by Charles Neblett, a civil rights activist and songwriter. If you miss, if you me, miss me from the back of the bus, of the bus and you, you can't, can't find me nowhere, come on up to the front of the bus, because I'll be driving I'll be up, there. up there. But not everyone was on the same side of the activists. People derided as nervous Nellies and Uncle Toms were accused of telling segregationists about meetings and protests. This was just one song used to intimidate any traitors. Which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? Decades later, on June 9 each year, First African commemorates Bloody Tuesday with this song from a group called the Freedom Singers. It goes like this. It, it, the song is, ain't gonna let nobody turn me around. And it goes like, ain't gonna let nobody. And the crowd would say, turn me around, turn me around. Turn me round, ain't gonna let nobody turn me round. I'm gonna keep on walking, keep on talking, marching up to freedom land. This has been part three of a series called Welcome to Alabama. To listen to parts one and two, and to learn more about our trip along the U.S. Civil Rights Trail, visit wuft.org. I'm Sarah Sowers. Thanks for listening.